morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our study. It's entitled Re. Just that prefix, it's, it's meaning something that we get back to, we turn to once again. Last week we looked at refilling our faith, Hebrews chapter 11, including some of the things persevering even when we don't feel like it. That faith, that trust, that hope in God. When we don't see things happening, we don't really feel like doing things. We turn to, we trust in, put our faith and confidence in God. If you've missed any of those previous uh, services or messages in the series, all of them are available on Facebook, uh, available online, our YouTube channel. You can find us either of those places for Alger Assembly of God. Today, the re-word is this, to receive, to receive from God. Have you ever been in a situation when you were desperate to receive something from God? In other words, maybe you were in a situation when you didn't know what to do, you didn't know where to turn, you didn't know uh, how to handle your situation, you were desperate to receive something from God. For me, probably the, the first one that would come to mind, it was a situation over 20 years ago, and many of you have experienced something like that, but it was the passing of my father. I still remember exactly where I was when I heard the news. We were youth pastoring in Galleon. It was a Monday night, and we had on Monday nights uh, Big activities for our youth ministry from teen Bible quiz, uh, study and practice to fine arts festival practices to worship team practices for a youth band. And, and uh, I believe it was during the youth worship practice in the sanctuary, Kim had gotten a call and it was from my brother about news of my father. And some of you... You experienced a situation like that. You heard some news. You were in a circumstance where all of a sudden it seems as if your world is flipped upside down. And you don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. But what you're saying is, God, I need something from you. I need to hear from you. I need to receive from you. Maybe you've been there or maybe you are there. I'd venture to say you and I face difficulties and struggles and heartaches and challenges of life. We face situations where we don't know what to do and we don't know where to turn. King Hezekiah and the people of Judah were facing something difficult, not the exact situation I've mentioned, but I invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 19. We'll give you a little bit of a background on the situation, a little bit of a background on this particular part of Scripture. King Hezekiah is king of Judah, and he began his reign at the ripe old age of 25. Now, this was back in the time, kind of the divided kingdoms era. So the, the people of Israel, uh, you know, there, there were some disputes, and there was the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom, or simply that tribe of Judah. And for many years, they had separate kings, separate kingdoms. So you had kings of Israel and kings of Judah. 
King Hezekiah was a king of Judah, and during his reign, he was removing the high places, some of the issues that dealt with idolatry in the land. He was breaking down the graven images of false gods, so these are all positive things. But in the 14th year of his reign, the king of Assyria, by the long name of King Sennacherib, attacked Judah and conquered a number of the cities. This king then would demand payment, uh, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. Just think of it this way, millions of dollars. So it'd be kind of like the modern day equivalent of the, the bully. You think about the, the bully who would uh, maybe bully a child at school for the lunch money. And say, hey, I'm going to kind of push you around, kind of beat you up a little bit. You got a handful of dollars, give it to me. Now, when the person being bullied gives the lunch money, does that stop the bully? That typically just emboldens them, right? That's a partial payment. You give that, and that gets them off your back today. But tomorrow and beyond, it's an ongoing situation. So it's kind of similar here. It's not as if this one-time payment was going to be it. But the king called on the king of Judah for all of this uh, money. The talents were amounts then of silver and gold. So to raise this amount of money to, to come up with all of this silver and gold as payment to try to get the king off his back, at least for a partial time, What did he do? He took all of the silver from the temple and the treasuries. He took the golden plates off the doors from the temple, took the gold off the pillars of the temple. If you're reading through the Old Testament, when the temple was built, it was pretty luxurious. It it was pretty, pretty mighty and majestic. And this king said, well, hey, there's all this stuff in the temple. We need some money. It's kind of like uh, today people would say, well, I need some money. So let me find what I have of value and go to a pawn shop. Let me see what I can get for what I have. He's stripping everything from the temple to try to find this. So the king of Assyria sends an army to summon Judah to surrender. King Hezekiah that we're looking at, he has his three principal ministers, sends them to meet the deputies. So there's a little bit of a meeting of the minds, you know, our people meet with your people. And as they met, the deputy from Assyria mocks the army. In fact, he says something to the effect of, we'll give you 2,000 horses for battle if you think you could even come up with the people to ride them. You know the the phrase, when people are kind of talking trash to one another and, and a fight's about to break out, someone says, well, I could beat you with one hand tied behind my back. You've heard the phrase? Someone else would say, yeah, well, I could beat you with both hands tied behind my... I mean, it goes back and forth. Well, I could beat you with both hands tied behind my back and blindfolded. I mean, what are they saying? They're saying, I'm so good and you're so not. Here's what I'll do and I'll still win. It's kind of what the king of Assyria, through his deputies, are saying. We're so powerful, we're so mighty, and you are not. 
We'd even consider giving you 2,000 horses in the midst of a battle, but you probably don't even have anybody to ride them. That's how pathetic and pitiful you are. Doesn't sound like a very good situation to be in if you're King Hezekiah, if you're part of the, the tribe, this nation of Judah here. So when Hezekiah hears it, he tears his clothes and expresses horror at the blasphemy. Tearing your clothes, it's kind of that sign or signal of, of sorrow and remorse and, God, I don't know what to do. Maybe you've been there. Maybe it's not a bully at the lunches, but maybe you've battled a situation where you've said, God, I don't know what to do. I need to hear from you. I need to receive from you. That's where King Hezekiah is. So the question is, what is he going to do? What would he do? The better question might be, what would you do? If you're the king, if you're faced with this situation, you've heard the threats, you've heard everything that's gone out, all of what's been asked of you, what would you do? As we take a look through portion here of 2 Kings chapter 19, I think the way that this king, King Hezekiah, handles this could be a little bit of a model for us in some difficult situations. How to look to and receive from the Lord when we don't know what to do. So 2 Kings chapter 19, I think one of the first principles that King Hezekiah nudges or encourages or models for us is this. We must connect to God's presence. 2 Kings 19 verse 14, it says this. King Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Now, in the midst of this conflict, it was both kind of an interpersonal conflict because there were people that were coming back and forth, as well as some communications that were being sent. The king of Assyria had sent messengers, but apparently he'd also sent a letter. You ever opened up the mail, opened up a text, opened up an email and received some not-so-good news? King Hezekiah is receiving that. It's not just the threat. It's not just this demand of all of the silver and gold. It's not just the attacking. It's not just the deputies that are being sent. He's also received this letter. Maybe that, to some degree, describes you. You ever been in a situation or circumstance where it seems like it's one thing after another after another? I mean, you go through one difficulty and you just about get your way through when another one hits. Ever been there? I'm, I'm seeing some nodding of heads, not a whole lot of smiles because you're, you're not really liking what you're remembering I think you'd identify that we face some of these things, that maybe you've been facing a difficulty financially, and you're trying to figure out how in the world do we pay this off when all of a sudden something physically happens, and now not only are you trying to battle with the physical and the financial, but then there's even more financial because of the physical. 
Maybe that means doctor offices. Maybe that means ER visits, hospital stays. Or maybe you're battling and dealing with some conflicts in the family, some situations there, and and all of a sudden, at work, you've got conflicts or situations with coworkers, with bosses over you, with individuals underneath you that are working for you. So you've probably been there. You face one thing, and then another hits, and then another hits, and it feels like it's just all adding up, and, and it's continuing to pile on. In a sense, Hezekiah is facing that. The attack, the demand, the deputies, the letter. I mean, it's not just a suggestion, hey, we want to attack. It's one thing after another, after another, after another. So what does he do? He reads the letter, he goes to the temple of the Lord and spreads it out before the Lord. He shows up and he gets in God's presence. How many of you know that God's presence is the place to be, really at any time, but certainly when you and I are facing difficulties and situations, it's God's presence, it's God that we must connect to. Connect to God. Go to God. Make it a specific effort. Make it an intentional effort. In fact, make it the effort even before disaster and difficulty strike. See, here's the thing. We are really good at turning to God after a difficulty hits. We're not as good at connecting to God on the front end before difficulties. Now, I'm not saying that when you connect to God before, that there is no after. I'm not saying that because we all face difficulties. said it before. Jesus has said it. In this world, you will have difficulties. You will have troubles. What I'm saying is sometimes the only time we connect to God are after difficulties. Sometimes the only time we connect to God is when we don't know what to do. We say, Now what, God? Now, this was the habit. This is exactly what the king did. I think the principle is connect to God after a conflict, before a conflict, during a conflict, connect to God. Let it be a priority that says day in and day out, when things are going well, I want to connect to God. When things are going eh, Because eh can mean a whole lot of things. I'm not sure how you spell that. Uh, Facebook takes, and if you've ever watched the videos, uh, they take and they kind of interpret, not really interpreting because it's not like I'm in another language, but they will take and type all of these words out automatically with the video. So let me just say it one more time, and let's see how Facebook types it out. Sometimes you feel eh. And in those situations, we need to get in God's presence. King Hezekiah did. He said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm turning to you. Let that be the priority. And then as he did, he's placing his burdens before the Lord. He's taken that that letter he'd received, and it says he spread it out before the Lord. I mean, this is, not, this is not just kind of a, God help me, I'm in trouble, 
in passing kind of prayer. This is a, God, I'm going to spend some time and connect to you in your presence. I'm going to hang out in the temple. I'm going to pray and call upon you. And I've got this letter, God, and I don't know what to do. You want to see it, God? Let me, let me put it out. Let me lay it out in front of you. He is spending time, and he's taking his burdens and saying, God, here they are. You and I can do that. When we face difficulties and situations, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. We can place our burdens before the Lord. Now, he did so absolutely physically placed that letter. Maybe there are some things, they're not physical. You can't, you know see them, but you can take that burden of finances. You can take that burden of health. You can take that burden of, of family conflict. You can take that burden of, of whatever is going on in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your body. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you, God. I'm going to connect to God in your presence. We can't make it through our life, and we certainly can't face our difficulties and our struggles all by ourselves. You, you ever try to do some of those things? Maybe you've had one of those uh, uh, do-it-yourself, put-together furniture pieces. You ever done one of those? A, a bed, a coffee table, a, a nightstand. I mean, a lot of those and many of those steps you can do by yourself. But there usually comes a time when you need somebody to hold while you put these pieces together. Because you can't hold this piece and this piece and then screw the piece on that goes in between. To the very least, the situations we struggle and face, we've got to admit, God, I can't do it on my own. And so when we turn to God, when we connect to God, when we go to God, I think that's a first great step, a first great principle King Hezekiah shows us in 2 Kings chapter 19. Connect to God and his presence. Secondly, I want to encourage you to trust in God's resources. The very next verse, verse 15, King Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. You see, God has the resources. God has what you and I need to make it through the difficulties, the challenges, the struggles of life. All those situations where you really weren't smiling, but you were nodding your head to say, yes, I've been there. God had what you need then, and God has what you need today. Trust in God and his resources. I know we've got resources, right? We've got some smarts. We've got some skills. We've got some friends and family. We've got some connections. We've got some resources of finance, uh, limited, though we might be in some or many or all of those categories. You and I have some things, but we typically don't have everything we need to battle or face that situation, or else we wouldn't feel like we don't know what to do. Many times, we rely on what we think we have. Well, we've got the strength, but maybe not enough to face this incredible situation. 
We've got the smarts, but maybe not enough to navigate these difficult challenges. We've got the skills, but not quite to accomplish everything that we're battling on our own. We can turn to and trust in God and his resources. In the scripture here, King Hezekiah, he says, Lord, the God of Israel, man, he is a personal God. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. Be reminded, be encouraged today. Scripture says that the very hairs on your head are numbered. Maybe even the, the hairs on the chin too, Ralph. What do you think? He, he's got them all numbered. He knows them all. Absolutely everything about you and about me. We can trust him. He knows you. He knows the situation that you're facing. All those hands that were raised just a little bit earlier in our service. There's some other people in this sanctuary. There's maybe a handful that you've shared with. Sometimes in a classroom setting, maybe during a prayer time, maybe you've shared some needs or requests, but invariably, not everybody in this body of believers or in this congregation knows everything that everybody is facing. You know who does? He does. We can trust his resources because he's a personal God. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you need. You ever, uh, you know, you had kind of that friend or that family member, again, talking about maybe putting a, a little piece of furniture together or uh, maybe repairing in, in a car or doing something, and maybe you're doing the work and you've got somebody and they're already looking one, two, three steps ahead and they're grabbing the right tool and they're handing it to you right about as you're about able to say, I need the, and they're handing it to you. Here's the screwdriver. Here's the wrench. Here's the drill. Here's this. Here's that. Because they already see ahead. They know what you're working on and they know what you need. We can turn and trust in God. He's a personal God. He's a powerful God. Again, in the scripture, he says, you alone are God over all the kingdoms, and you have made heaven and earth. Do you stop to think about that? The God who's made heaven and earth wants to get involved in your situation. Now, let me just stop and ask a rhetorical question that sometimes it, it's a little humorous if you think about it this way, although what we face is not humorous. But do you think that the God who made all of the earth, all of the heavens, everything in our universe and in our galaxies, do you think the God who has done that is now going to struggle with what we face? Now, we say, oh, but I, I know God can do it, but, 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 but. And we add all of these things, but you don't know what I'm facing. You're right, I don't. And it is difficult, and it is a challenge, and it is hardship, and we oftentimes don't know what to do, but there's a God who does. A God who created the entire earth, a God who created the entire heavens, a God who created 
everything. And that's the God we can trust in. That's the God we can turn to. That's the God who is powerful. He's got the resources that you and I need to face whatever those situations are. He's got the resources needed for the finances that you're short on. He's got the resources needed to heal bodies or to encourage or comfort in the midst of some difficult financial or physical situations. Trust his resources. He's a personal God. He's a powerful God. And then understand we talked about going to God in his presence. Trust in him. He says, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. It, kind of talking about the presence of God. You, you've got the, the Ark of the Testimony. You've got some of the cherubim talking about the, the presence of God. In a sense, he's reminding that God is very real, very present with us. Sometimes we think of God being an out there kind of God. You ever kind of think that maybe when you pray? Because we, maybe we don't see him personally or physically like we do one another. And we pray and as if God's a million miles away in heaven. And yet the, the idea, the aspect of, of that Ark of the, the Covenant and, and the temple there, it's the reminder of the powerful presence of God. He's right there with you. Not to leave you nor forsake you. You can trust in him. His presence is there. His peace is there. So going through this process, King Hezekiah, he's not sure what to do, but he goes to God and he connects to his presence. In his prayer, then, he affirms his desire to trust God's resources. Thirdly, in these next few verses, I think the encouragement is to begin to see God's perspective. Get his perspective. See what God sees. Verses 16, 17, and 18 read like this. He says, Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib, this king, has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. What King Hezekiah is doing here, he's honestly acknowledging the obstacles in front of him. He's saying, God, you know, from my perspective, they're awful tough. From my perspective, this army is strong. They've battled some of these other nations. They've laid them waste. That's my perspective. That's my viewpoint. But God, I'm turning to you. I'm trusting in you. And from your vision, from your perspective, I know it's going to look different. But God, I just I want to remind you, here's what the situation looks like to me. He's seeking to get God's perspective. I think that's important for us. Being open, being honest, we don't need to somehow imagine that the difficulties that we face are imaginary and not there. They're real, right? Things we face are real. Physical, financial, relational, emotional, you name it, we face it, it's real. 
So we don't need to somehow act like it's not real. We don't need to act as if they're imaginary, as if, well, there's just nothing there that you're facing. Those are real things. But what the king Hezekiah is doing, he's seeking to get God's vision, God's perspective. Yes, from my perspective, man, this looks incredible, God. They've laid waste to all of these nations. But he says, they were not gods, but only wood and stone. I mean, they've destroyed all these other nations and their gods. But the perspective is this. They've not seen anyone like you, for there is none like you. My perspective says they're mighty. Help me to see it from your perspective. Assess the fact God has an opportunity to work in any and every situation. Sometimes we look for perfect situations. Oh, God, you know, if you just wait until everything lines up, then maybe you can step in. We face a lot of imperfect ones. But understand, the situations that we face, as massive as they are from our perspective, when you surrender them to God, they're not as big to Him as they are to you and I. You think about some of those carnival mirrors Maybe at the fairground you've gone to one or uh, some different uh, science expositions have them or restaurants. And, you know, you go stand in front of this one and you look like a string bean, you know, about 10 foot tall. You go to the next one and you look like a potato. You're a little, little, little wider than you are tall. You go to the next one and you look curvy and wavy. Now, are you any of those things? No. You're not the string bean. You're not the potato. You're not the wavy. It's the vision. It's the perspective of that mirror that you're placing yourself in front of. And so sometimes what you and I do, we face difficulties, hardships, and struggles, and we stand in front of the mirror and we say, God, this situation is impossible. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I mean, just look. We're seeing things from our vision and our perspective. Not saying that there's not a difficulty or a situation there. But the God who's created heaven and earth, his vision, his perspective, his resources, he's able to step in and assist in that situation. Begin to see God's perspective. You know, many times... The, the things that we face, they become super huge deals. And then as you and I age, sometimes we age out of things. And so we'll look at somebody else and say, well, oh, boy, you know, you're facing this. I mean, remember when you were a wee little kid who had an ice cream cone? You ever drop your ice cream cone? You ever drop your lollipop? You ever drop your candy bar? You ever, you ever drop, you know, some piece of candy? Didn't it just feel like your world came to an end? You lost your stuffed animal. I mean, all of these are very real situations that we've gone through as a kid. 
Now, as an adult, what do you think? I'll buy you another ice cream cone. You lost your stuffed animal? Well, let's go to the store and get you another. I mean, we think, no big deal. There's all kinds, I mean, tons of ice cream in this world. But to a child, what's their perspective? My life's come to an end. I love that ice cream cone. It was dripping in all the right spots. Sometimes we do that in our, in our walk, in our relationship with God. We haven't dropped an ice cream cone, but we face some pretty difficult situations, and they seem astronomical. They seem unsolvable to us. But you begin to see God's perspective, that God has the vision, God has the resources, God has the ability, no matter how large or complicated that situation might be to you, God's got the ability and the resources to help you and I out. Begin to see from his perspective. Finally, as the king is going through all of these situations, he begins to seek God's answer. Verse 19, in his prayer, he says, Now, Lord our God, deliver us. We need your answer, God. Deliver us from his hand, this king of Assyria, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. When you've done everything else, you're, you're starting, you're getting into God's presence at the beginning, and at the end you're saying, God, help, God, rescue, God, deliver. I'm seeking your answer. King Hezekiah didn't know what to do, so he turns to and calls upon God. Again, too many times we turn to everyone and everything else before God. We'll exhaust our resources, our wisdom, our might, our connections, our this or that. Then and only then do we call upon or turn to God. Turn to Him. Seek Him. Ask for His deliverance. And then be found faithful to do what God has called you to do. So King Hezekiah, he, he takes this letter, he, he spreads it out before the Lord. He, he does all of these things we've talked about. He seeks God's answer and deliverance. And if you want to drop down a little bit later in that chapter to me, we'll see how God delivers. This is God's answer. Verse 32 says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and the sake of David, my servant. So he's saying he's not going to come in. And then verse 35 continues, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer, killed him with the sword and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. Now, a little bit graphic, a little bit bloody, uh, uh, maybe not quite the uh, 
response that we might think or imagine, maybe not necessarily, hopefully not necessarily, what we're hoping for or calling for for deliverance in our situation. But in King Hezekiah, in this particular situation, the angel of the Lord wipes out the army, King Sennacherib withdraws, and then later on he's taken out by his sons. God answered, God delivered. I don't think King Hezekiah had any kind of resources or ability to make any of that happen. He just simply said, God, help. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. I need you. I need to receive from you. I encourage us. To receive from God. When we're facing a situation where we don't know where to turn, we don't know what to do, go to God. Connect to His presence. Trust in His resources. You and I have got only so much. God has exactly what we need and then some. Begin to see His perspective. From my perspective, this is massive and I can't face it. From God's perspective, he says, here, let me help. Let me show. Let me guide, direct, heal, provide, whatever. Trust in me. And finally, seek his answer. Call upon him for deliverance. Call upon him to help and to rescue and to bring you out of the situation that you are in. We don't have to face it on our own. We can turn to and trust in God.